Hey gang, welcome to the Your Basket is Empty pod, a space where I sit down with agencies, brands, and original e-com thinkers to discuss their journey, practical advice, and how they're navigating the current digital landscape. Your Basket is Empty is also a bi-monthly industry newsletter that covers the most interesting e-com and direct consumer news, interviews with original e-com thinkers, a jobs board, an event listing section, and a playlist. Go check that out at yourbasketisempty.com. On episode 71, I chat with Tom and Tom, the co-founders of Superco, a Shopify Plus full-service collaborative agency that launched and scaled the next generation of e-commerce businesses. Uh, We talk about building the Liz Trust of the Shopify App Store, the advantages of being non-developer founders, approaching the agency business from a first principles perspective, the keys to hiring great people, why the best partnerships are based on client needs, not necessarily the best technical solution, the advantages of having a wide partner network, including VCs and branding agencies, why adding quality to the conversation is the key to good personal branding, uh, the advantages of a fully remote team, and why working with your best mate is a foundation for a successful business. Enjoy the episode. Tom and Tom, welcome to the pod. I'm going to start with you, Tom C. Where are you and how are you? Um, I'm in London. I'm in Soho. Yeah, really, really good to be on it, on the show. Thanks nice. a lot for having us. Um, I'm also in Soho in a slightly different conference room to Tom for audio quality purposes. But um, yeah, thanks a lot for having us, Tom. Appreciate that. All right, Tom C., I'm going to start with you. And usually there's a bit of a rewind in these discussions. So... Superco started life as a product company as opposed to a services. I'm curious, like, how did it all begin and why did you pivot into an agency? Yeah, so I, I guess I had an agency which was building like iOS apps and some kind of complex backend apps. And, um, and then kind of um, Tom and I started working together and we saw a lot of kind of good progress with our e-commerce business. So we had this kind of crazy idea that we would democratize e-commerce services for Shopify stores. We built a little app. I think it was the shortest ever app in the app store. I think we were in there for about a month. Um, we contra- the, li- the Liz Truss of apps. The Liz <laughs> yeah, Truss exactly. of the app store. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I think... Yeah, they, they, they let us in. We went through the kind of excruciating it like onboarding process and then about a month later they pulled out like clause four of the contract that said you couldn't offer agency services, which was like everything our, our app did. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was getting chucked off was actually the best thing that could have happened to us. Um, yeah. yeah. The quality of client um, you get through uh, an app offering like super low cost design development on the Shopify app store is not a high client. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Okay. Then I'm curious, uh, sort of going into the agency kind of space and and maybe Tom, and we can start with you first and Tom C, I'll come come to you. But, um, you know, one of my observations is you're a rare breed in that you're non-developer founders. And I'm curious from your perspective, like what have been the advantages of that? And do you see kind of any downsides? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of leave that, that little piece to Tom because I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he may not be a developer, but he's very much kind of solution-y technical. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't have agency background, but I've been in the kind of e-commerce space for quite a while. It was in partnerships. Um, so working with a lot of agencies. So I kind of know the agencies from the other side. Um, so I'd say we could kind of approach it, approach it from like a first principles kind of like viewpoint, but, um, yeah, I guess kind of just like throwing ourselves in there, not really like ever anticipating, like having an agency, like, like ultimately trying to create like a product business, but like it was kind of going to end up being like a marketplace essentially. Um, but then ending up just kind of having an agency, just like, I guess it 
allowed us to um, to come at it from like a slightly different viewpoint to people who've like been in an agency and like know how an agency works and then decides to decide to leave and set up their own agency. Yeah, yeah, Tom C. I how do you think about that? I mean, I think I think it's really played in our favour because it's forced us to invest in in hiring really good people right from the outset. Um, it's yeah, it, really since the first first day we started, it's been like a hunt to find the best developer talent that we can we can we can get our hands on, um, and we've really just noticed that like the better the better the people, the better the developers, um, the better the quality of work. Um, makes it much easier for Tom to bring in new business. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that like neither of us were actually sitting there writing the code um, mm-hmm. because it's allowed us to focus on building a good business and hiring in talent um, to compensate for like that that weakness. Um, that being said, like I've, I've got a pretty deep like technical understanding and ability to like understand what's possible and do the solutioning. I said Tom's very strong on understanding the partner network. Mm-hmm. So kind of between us, it's like, what are the tools out there? How do we fit it to what Shopify can do? Um, and then we kind of match the solution with the best developer in our team to solve it. I think yeah, it's kind of it, worked to our, our favor a bit. Yeah, and I, I'm curious then to sort of continue on that conversation. So, you know, a bit of your experience has been management consulting. And I think that like, when you boil down professional services, especially within the Shopify agency space, they're kind of management consultants to some degree, right? Like with a layer of kind of like creativity that sit on top. But like, how much do you lean into that type of thinking? And has that been an advantage to, you know, running a Shopify agency? Yeah, I guess um, I was quite lucky that I worked for a fully remote agency kind of when I was, when I was 24. Um, they, I mean, there can't be too many businesses which didn't really have a head office. Um, they had someone who did their accounts in Manchester. Um, but otherwise, it was just like a, a group of really talented, smart people. Um, and they traded on this idea that we sell common sense. Um, I thought that was a nice, a nice thing to kind of take with me into my career. Um, and obviously, like, yeah, the better, the better team you've got, the more kind of collective common sense you have. Um, so, so I, I think, think the world I needs think, a bit I more common sense. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think that's, I think that's kind of, you know, a bit of a founding, founding principle, um, has taught me the value of like, you know, training people, investing in people's CVs, making sure that you've got a really like a team to go out and solve problems for clients. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the management consultancy bit, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, I mean, it, it is loosely, I mean, I know there's design and development stuff, but like helping our businesses, helping our clients like succeed is essentially like the essence of like management consultancy. We go in and, and like work with them on growth and like retention strategy and basically just pull it, like think of as many different levers and work out how to pull them in the best way to like kind of provide a path forward for for our clients. So I think Tom's experience in that um, has been immensely valuable. I know it's not, not like specific like Shopify, but it's like gives him like an outside perspective and and like yeah, it's been it's, that's been a really kind of useful useful tool in our toolbox for sure. Yeah, and I, I think it, it you know it, it it serves you guys well in the sense that you know I don't think Shopify is going away anywhere, but like let's assume it did tomorrow, then you can pivot quite quickly, you know, into another tech stack or whatever. But the underlying core professional services foundation is there, which I I actually think is kind of that's quite a different angle than the sort of more traditional Shopify agency path, right? Of freelancers doing development 
taking on too much work, <laughs> getting more freelancers on board, not really wanting to run a professional services business. And then three years time, shit, I'm running a professional services business, you know, and, and how do I do that? But the but just to jump in there, like we are, we're selling Shopify uh, for our clients because we think it's the best thing for our clients. Um, if there was a better tool out there, um, like, you know, we might, we might recommend that, but for the clients that we service, we think Shopify is like by far the best, the best thing that they could be using. Um, so I think, I think it's, I think it's pretty important to kind of keep that, um, that honesty around tools, kind of like recommend the best product for the client at the stage they're at. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, we could pivot away from Shopify, but right now they're making all the right, the right moves. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm going to talk about it in my newsletter. Uh, it's going out on Monday. And my sort of, uh, my thesis is that I was under the impression that Shopify had an identity crisis because I'm like, I don't want them moving upstream into the enterprise space. I quite like the cool DDC world that they operate, but it's like... Uh, on the rebels. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, it was like, I suppose my, I'm, I'm rounding it out that like I, I saw shopify through rose tinted glasses and that was my problem not their problem and i just needed to change my specs you know i think the opportunity that is there for them moving into the enterprise space and then becoming this big gorilla is both an opportunity for the shopify market but it's also an opportunity for the wider market for people to come in and take a bit of the market share so i, I think it's kind of like a win-win yeah. across the board um but tom M, I, I want to talk about the, the sort of more of your focus area and just something I think is super, super important within the agency landscape and that's kind of like partnerships. So like how important is it to your like growth and like how do you approach partnerships within the Shopify space? Um, yeah, well, I mean, to, to build on Tom's point, I mean, like partnerships, like we, I mean, we've got, I don't know, 10 to ten to 15 like key partner, partnerships that they range from kind of tech partners. partners. So, I mean, obviously like Shopify, Shopify Plus, um, they're the only one at the moment we're really recommending to our clients. Um, but other than that, we're like fairly agnostic. Um, we just want to like offer the best solution for the problem our clients are facing. And whether that's your pro or kendo, like it, it is what it is. I always like to introduce a couple um, just because, I mean, I, I never want to be in the position where clients feel like we're forcing a solution down their throat for a commission, which is never the case. It's always like, what, what is the best solution for this problem that they're currently facing? Um, but coming from like a partners, partnership background, I mean, I did that for like five-ish years in New York. Um, uh, basically, I relaunched a, a British e-commerce SaaS business out there through partnerships, through like Magento and Salesforce Commerce Cloud um, and all the agencies that work in that ecosystem and kind of grew it to about a team of 15 before we got acquired. Um, so I kind of I really I value, value partnerships, both from like how can it help our clients um, on one side to like how can we get some leads from this? How can we grow our business off the back of this? Um, I think it was Harry from Rello had like a, a very interesting, very true point um, that a lot of partner managers don't get. And it's kind of how I think I made it work in the States. And I think like how he and quite a lot of the other partner managers we work with here um, do it. And that's just kind of providing value. It's not like, what can I get? It's what can I give to then potentially get something down the line? Like, how can I provide provide value to, to this partner, do something with no expectation of, of a return um, and just build that relationship, prove your value. And then, and then the rewards come. Like it's hard to, it's hard to be like a hard, it's hard to do hard sell 
like a hard selling partnerships. And if, in fact, if you are, you're doing it all wrong. Your 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 tech stack is shit. Or you need to like sort out your kind of go to market. Um, so I mean, I think they've been they've been immensely valuable. Um, I mean, we work very closely with I mean the likes of Recharge and Yopo, Kendo, Loyalty Line. I mean, not in the expectation of us getting leads, but just because they really help our clients. And with like Recharge, we we I've kind of positioned ourselves as like the go-to UK recharge agency because we know the platform so well because it's in about 80% of the clients we work on. Um, and then beyond that, like, I mean, I mentioned you, Tim, currently sat in a co-working space um, in Soho and literally everyone is a VC or, or a PE firm. Um, so like partnerships with, with the money, um, partnerships with branding agencies, like they're all, they're, they're more of a kind of a, get, a give and get kind of um, situation more kind of building relationships not necessarily like always introducing them to clients but there's often opportunities to do that um, and yeah just building up that kind of network so that when a client does need money or when a client does need a branding agency like we have that we have them on file I know a good person to go to uh, and likewise when a branding agency does a wicked brand maybe does a design they need someone to build it they come to us yeah yeah totally yeah I mean it's interesting right because I think the the, the the word partnerships can be conflated with community, right? Like you build the community around you, and if you've got a thriving community that's built on trust and loads of giving and and you know taking both ways, right? Then it kind of becomes like a partnership. But I don't know. I'm slightly loath to call it a community because I think that word has been banded around a bit too much, sort of like recently. Yeah, we agree. But, <laughs> but a partnership, I think, has it's a it's a two way street ultimately. Yeah, and, totally. And I think totally. Particularly some of the US tech platforms, I think, only like see it as a one-way street sometimes. Yeah, I've definitely found, yeah, I think there is a bit of a difference between the UK sort of general community slash partnership community and kind of like the the, the States. I, I mean, the States, I think more generally culturally compared to the UK is a bit more commercially sharp. You yeah. know, I think I think we're, we're probably a bit more relationshipy based, um, which is definitely something, you know, we found when we, we sort of expanded out there that we make. But uh, I'm curious to sort of, take a slight sidestep and it's something we've been talking about and it's uh, something that's um, it's incredibly obvious if one is a LinkedIn user <laughs> and that is personal branding. So I'm, I'm curious like Tom and you know what do you think about personal branding? Do you think it's important for specifically somebody running an agency? Um, I think it's important but I think it's that the context in which you like express this personal branding brand is important so i mean obviously doing this podcast is is tom and i putting a bit of ourselves out there to to your broad listenership um, huge listenership hugely kind of broad listenership, <laughs> huge <yeah>. listenership. <laughs> um, and allowing kind of people to kind of peek under the skirt or like whatever the phrase is to kind of see and hear what tom and i are about um there's panels there's like putting out newsletters there's all sorts of things then there's like dumping crap on on linkedin some of it like i think if you're adding if you're adding quality to the conversation if you've got like interesting insights into shopify's winter editions 2023 then great but if it's like you're posting what you ate for breakfast then like i don't think that's at all valuable and frankly if i was a brand and i saw like an agency owner doing that i would mute them block them unconnect and find another agency yeah um so i th- it, i think it all depends on it i think it is it is important tom and i are this is an ever ever going conversation we have internally like how much do we want to talk about what we do how much do we want to talk about ourselves how much do we want to like align like tie ourselves into it 
Um, so I think we're kind of finding our feet on that. Um, and I think you probably will hear more from us over the next like 12 to 18 months. We just hired a marketing manager. So I think personal brand, it will become more of a thing. Um, but I'd like that to be more of this podcast panels, more like thought leadership than just LinkedIn junk. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a really interesting space, right? Like in the sense that I feel if you were to consume personal branding uh, strategy, a lot of them talk about being, you know, people want to hear about you, the person. And I think that people can kind of conflate that with like a different type of social media presence. Like I, I do feel like LinkedIn has obviously become more like a general social platform, right? It's gone beyond kind of like purely professional and that, that's totally cool. But yeah, I think some EQ probably is required on like how much of the individual one gives out to the audience, right? And ultimately the relevancy of that, I think depending on the field that you're in, if you're a psychologist or you're talking about a particular subject, I think then more of the real self is probably should be there. But yeah, I feel that I just see a, a great sense of inauthenticity. Like when I see someone like talking about their so much of their personal life and I'm like, I can see what's going on here. You've gone to a personal branding guru and they've told you to do this, which is ultimately just a plan to get more business or more lead. You know what I mean? Like, and therefore it becomes yeah, inauthentic. It, I don't, I don't quite it, get it. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of being like too authentic and like, exactly. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. There's I, too much information. Yeah. It's too much information. Leave that to Facebook 20 years yeah. ago, or like 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, or yeah. Like no one cares. <laughs> um, but no, I, I did. I mean, I, like LinkedIn, one hundred percent has its place, and we we get deals through LinkedIn. We we hire a lot through LinkedIn, um, and like I'm very, I'd, I'd be the first to admit, I, I'm not very good. Maybe I'm too self aware, or just like I don't know. I, I I'm not a very I'm not very good at kind of putting myself out there like digitally. I'm much like happier like in a room talking to people. Um, but I do, I definitely do need to be doing that more as like an agency agency founder, um, particularly as kind of like out trying to get business, trying to build relationships. Um, so yeah, I think it's important, but I think the, the level at which you do it is important, both in terms of quality and quantity. Um, and I think that actually is applicable across everything. Like being on a load of terrible panels is not worth your time. But being <laughs> yeah, on like yeah. a few select really good panels definitely is. Yeah, being on some great podcasts like yours is worth our time. Yeah, exactly. But, like, <laughs> I, think, I think, Tom, one, one of the things you've done really well since starting is, is going very narrow and really focusing on a few key relationships and building those out rather than us being like, you know, we want 10,000 people to look at our post on Instagram. Um, it's much better to like build trust and, you know, we deliver this project and it's gone out and the client's happy with it and we just do that over and over. So there's a bit of personal brand around credibility. Mm -hmm. I think in the early days, like the credibility, focusing on actually making sure you can deliver um, is kind of more important than, you know, broadcasting yourself kind of indiscriminately. Yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think that the, the growth flywheel, the reputational growth flywheel from growth from great work is the, I think that's the key, especially to a professional services business. And then when you sprinkle kind of some authentic, cool thought leadership and personality, which I think is different than like divulging too much about the person, I think that's probably where people get it wrong. They think, personality is I need to tell everyone exactly what I'm thinking all the time about random shit that means nothing to anyone else. That's different from personality and like taking it like, I think another thing with the personal branding is I've seen people suggest that like, oh, you need to be funny. And I'm like, 
so many fucking people aren't that funny. And I'm like, don't try. Do you know what I mean? It's inauthentic. Like, just be yourself if, if you're you not funny. You don't want to try and be funny if you're not funny. No, exactly. Definitely <laughs> you know not on LinkedIn. Just, yeah, exactly. Um, Tom C, I'm going to bring it back to you. And I, I'm curious from, from your perspective, um, what does the Superco team look like? Um, you know, who are they? Where are they? Um, tell me a little bit more about that. So we're roughly about 25 people at the moment. Um, and that's split down into, we've got kind of broadly people who look after clients. Um, so the project managers kind of organize, organize the team, but essentially they're responsible for delivering the project to the client. Um, and then we've got account managers who look after our retainer clients. So they're, they're basically delivering a, a roadmap of work for, our, for the clients. And then we have um, eight, eight or nine developers, um, a team of designers, and then some people that we've hired out of, out of Shopify, so ex-Shopify gurus who kind of know the platform backwards. Um, but yeah, we've got, this, we've got this team where essentially anything that comes through the business gets designed, and we try and make it so that the designs are very buildable. We, we, think, we think a lot about the connection between design and, uh, and development. Um, so a lot of effort goes into making that that link very very smooth, um, and um, yeah. So we're kind of all over the place. We've, we started in COVID, so the business is 100% remote, um, and we've kind of very much taken the approach of just hiring the best people wherever we find them. Um, so if we find a great developer in Spain, we'll hire them. In Portugal, we've got some developers in Ukraine. Um, uh, our design team is, we've got, yeah, one, one, des- one Ukrainian de- uh, designer. Um, Andy, our creative director, um, is up in, up in Birmingham. Um, Liz is in Kent. Um, so, yeah, we, we're, we're really spread out and um, creates a really nice kind of mix of ideas. And uh, it's definitely enabled us to, to hire more quickly. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy that I don't have to hire everyone within a 20-mile radius. Yeah. Um, or through yeah. a recruiter. Or through a recruiter. <laughs> recruiter. Yeah. 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 We actually we we had we we hired a few people through recruiters at the beginning, um, and it was really useful for us. But um, I mean, we've on the personal brand stuff like using LinkedIn to attract talent is a, is a really great, uh, great tool. Totally. I and I think like I mean I don't know what uh, I'm assuming LinkedIn was, you know, it was like you know, the professional Facebook. So I was connecting people, but it's ultimately, I think, core business is a recruitment platform, right? It's like perfect for that. Like both through its ability, you know, for someone to use it as a recruitment platform, but for it as a talent attraction channel, I think is is, is pretty un, unparalleled. Um, Tom, M, I want to go back to you. you. You mentioned it before, like 80% of the portfolio's subscription, primarily using recharge, but like, Tell me a little bit more about the typical Superco client. Like, what do they look like? Where are they? Are they vertically specific, etc.? Um, so, I mean, locations. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm not sure the percentages, but it's loosely. I mean, UK, Europe, uh, North America, primarily UK, um, with a bit of North America and a bit of bit of Europe. Um, Vertical wise, I mean, we have this kind of dream ICP. Um, we've got a couple of dream ICPs. I'm not sure you're really allowed on the one, but. Um, Essentially, we've kind of found this niche, um, which is like 
all things um, subscription retention. Um, so that lends itself to working with like food and drink, like a lot. We do we do a lot with them, just broadly CPG or FMCG. So we do a ton in kind of subscription, like beauty and 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 cosmetics, quite a lot in animal care. Um, and so like that's kind of where we've where we've built the business over the last couple of years. Where like how we've found the, the kind of the small amount of success we have is is through kind of doubling double downing on that. Um, and just becoming like a thought leader for our, um, or kind of a, a kind of a thought partner for our larger clients um, and our smaller clients around like help, helping them to improve like their subscription retention processes. That being said, one of our largest clients is is um, Represent Clothing, who are kind of a men's fashion brand out of uh, Manchester. Um, so it's not all it's not all kind of recharging type stuff, but. Um, I think that's that is loosely tip, typical for us is 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 would involve subscription of some some kind selling a consumable good um, and yeah I think we're gonna we're gonna keep, keep double downing on that and doing more try and get more of those kind of clients like it's interesting work it's quite complex so kind of if you can do it you can get paid well to do it because it's not everyone not every agency can do it where it's going to design a dev I guess not commoditized but. Um, Maybe it is to a certain degree, but if we can, we can yeah. be the the kind of go to like subscription retention agency in the UK. Then, then I think we're in pretty good stead. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Uh, I was chatting to um, Benjamin, who heads up, I think, partnerships for Europe, Amir in uh, Shopify, and we were discussing that kind of like the Shopify pie getting bigger with them going upstream. That from the agency perspective, and I get the argument, it becomes just more competition, right? More people in, 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 in the pool, but the pool's bigger. And I think like within the Shopify agency space, having a niche within a niche, I mean, it's a pretty small niche anyway, right? Like is, is super, super valuable. And, you know, 2023, the year of retention, good retention strategy is subscription, but I think that's a pretty good strategy in bull and bear markets, you know? So it's like yeah. something that's pretty good to be in. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't think uh, yeah, I don't think that changes as soon as money becomes cheap again. I, I hope people still care about retaining the clients they already have. I think they will. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I want to go back to you, Tom C. And um, I want to talk about working with Tom M. So I'm always curious <laughs> about this. It's it's something I don't usually. It, this is an interesting question because I got both of you on the call. So I, I'm I'm. Um, I'm expecting potentially a heated debate with the five minutes that we've got left. I don't know. But um, yeah, what's the best thing about working with Tom M and what's the most challenging? Yeah, I mean, where do I start on the on the best thing? Um, no. we, <laughs> That's very sweet. We, um, I mean, we, yeah, we, we can sometimes call each other work husbands. And um, yeah, there's... Shit, there's, I'm going to tell anyone that. <laughs> There's very little. There's very little like divide between like work and play. It's sometimes kind of on a Friday, um, you know, meetings quite seamlessly flow into into drinks and then a night out. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's been really great. I mean, I trust Tom implicitly with everything he does. And um, yeah, we was we having having dinner the other night in Barcelona, and we were like, we haven't had an argument yet. So that's really good. There's, that's there's really not, cool. There's not there's not much to say about about the challenges. It's been a really fun fun ride so far. That's a glowing review, Tommy. I'm mean, right. Your 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 turn. Um, yeah, I mean, I second all of that. I mean, I get to work with my best friend, and it's like um, it's it's a lot of fun day in day out. I mean, we literally our kind of WhatsApp is. I mean, just 
less less friendly stuff and just like a lot of work stuff. I think I've, yeah. our other friends in the group get maybe a bit bored of hearing about Supercoat like on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon in the pub. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet. Um, yeah. Yeah, our, our, our like work life very much bleeds often into their like play life. Um, so I think that's probably something we, we maybe need to be a, a little bit aware of. But um, no, I think it's been it's been great having this kind of quite clear delineation of roles, and I just let him get on and do his shit, and he lets me get on and mine. And as he said, we've basically had an argument at all in the kind of two years, two and a bit years we've been doing this. Yeah, that's really interesting, and it's, it's funny because like uh, you know, working with you guys and sort of being an outsider and seeing the perspective, it's it's you know, it's not dissimilar to the the team that we make, like Piers and Alex. I saw a very similar type of dynamic, right, where like there was this kind of baked in friendship that's ultimately based on trust which i think is a really interesting spot to be running a business together i think you know it can go the other way right but i I would i would presume that it can go the other way if there isn't that kind of quite a good friendship baked in I, i i don't know it'd be i'm always curious about and i've not spoken to anyone that kind of comes out of them but the kind of like incubatory type stuff where they'll kind of go and try and find like co-founders and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it can work. And I, and I know some companies that are, that, are, that are doing, I know the guys at Trumpet, like they've got that kind of model where they, they, they went and got a, a co-founder. And I, I'd be very curious to talk to them about kind of how that works. I find that quite weird, but I guess it does work for some people. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like Tom and my relationship second like one plus one equals like three or four kind of scenario. Like we kind of just like allow each other to do like to be better than we would definitely be by ourselves and there's no way we'd have done anything remotely like this on our own so um yeah i think i think we definitely kind of help elevate i reckon it's, it's the ultimate to me like my favorite bands are that constituent the sum of the parts are bigger so if you look at black sabbath individually they're all okay like like aussie's a cool front man like geezer's a cool bass player and like Omi's a good guitarist individually they're all right but fucking together they're insane you know and I think that that's like a a cool dynamic for kind of like business partners um I'm keen to round it out so one final question for both of you and this is some advice to the incredible audience large audience that we're talking to here today um and I'll start with you Tom C what would you suggest to somebody who's embarking on their own agency journey any key advice I mean I think I think there's some boring things like boring but important things like make sure you make sure you've got a real good handle on your your accounts um make sure that you're tracking the things that you're charging for so if you're you know if you're bidding hours then make sure you're on top of your hours um but yeah i mean fundamentally the 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 biggest driver to our success is finding like good people i mean kind of going further on that trust thing like if you can trust the people that work for, for you um, to get stuff done, do it well, like, you know, be charming to a client. Um, it's, it's really important. So like bu- building a culture and a team of people that you trust to, trust to work with, I think is probably the number one most important thing. And finding those people as soon as possible is, um, is super important. Yeah, and I think don't be scared about like, you know, getting it wrong from time to time. Um, I think, yeah, try and work with someone doesn't work out. like try and find the next person, just really work at getting people that you really respect and trust around you. That's sage advice. Tom M, what about you? Um, I would say like niche down. My old, my old boss used to tell me that like, you can't boil the ocean, um, which I think is kind of a fair that's point a, in this kind of world in which there's like 
I don't know, hundreds of like Shopify agencies in the UK alone and like, I don't know, 20 plus agencies in the UK alone. Um, like you kind of need to find a way to stand out. Um, and I think by having kind of a distinct client type or a kind of work you guys are getting, like as an agency you get known for, or you do a lot of, um, can definitely help. But it helps you like qualify out leads. So like if we got some sort of, I don't know, I mean, something that was like clearly like nothing, nothing kind of pertaining to kind of fast moving consumer goods or like subscription or like, I mean, even kind of a, a nice client type, we just kind of qualify it out or I don't spend as long as on the proposal where it's like, if it's something that's really like sits within our, our niche, it's like, great, let's try and win this because we've got the best chance of winning this because we do this kind of work all day. Um, so I think, yeah, finding a niche and try and stick to that is probably quite a good bit of advice. Right. I like it. So surround yourself with great people, find a niche and be disciplined about that niche. There you go. Great advice. Um, Tom and Tom, thank you so much for joining me. That was sick. Thanks, Thanks Tim. There you go, folks. Thanks so much for joining me. If you liked the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all of your mates to do the same. I'll see you next time.